There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Blog Talk Radio. You again? What up? 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 Fresh Radio, three K Mike. What's up, man? Oh, man, no, just being a hoe like I do. <laughs> I was trying. I was trying to do I a little. Probably explain that. <laughs> I was trying to do a little Simon Garfunkel. We were talking about hoeism, the nature of being a hoe before the show, because I wanted to talk about global warming being a hoe. There are there are levels to this. There's being corny, that that's near the top. There's being a hoe. Being a hoe isn't too bad. It is bad. <laughs> and then there's there. the corny hoe. Corny hoe is like the ultimate. If you're a corny hoe, I don't need you in my life ever again. <laughs> this is what Whatsoever. Joe this is how Joe describes Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is he is, but he's almost just corny because I do need football in my life, so I don't want him to completely leave. Plus, it's when you have somebody that you don't like in your life in that way, it's kind of good. You need people not to like. You want you know, you want Russell Wilson, you want Jersey Garofalo, uh, and with the Forty ers you want guys like that to be able to not like. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Jersey Gerper. What I was talking about with hoes and the whole global warming thing was one of the one of the things that I started getting angry about this weekend because out here in D.C. it wasn't that cold, and I realized it's mid-February, man. It's supposed to be cold. I haven't eaten enough soup this year. I know we've talked about food a lot. I like food. I tend to eat it often, and I get real upset when my food schedule gets thrown off by shit. I know, right? You know. And I, I, I realized that my food schedule is getting thrown off by things that are out of my control, and one of them was the lack of ingestion of soup. And it was all because it's not cold enough. Soup is only good when it's cold. You know what I'm saying? Like, when it's cold, soup is great because you get, you get it's a food that is liquid that you don't drink, which makes it cool. And you get all the textures and you get all the flavors. You can do all this different kind of stuff. But I haven't had enough soup this year because it hasn't been cold enough. And I realized it was starting to make me a little angry. And so I got to start blaming global warming. So global warming is on my home list. Dude, you do know that you could just turn the heat down in your house. No, get you a can't cool. do that. You can't manipulate <laughs> soup. What are you talking about? You can't you manipulate soup. Cool I really want a cold glass of lemonade. Down. Let me turn the heater up in my house to 80. You, just don't, you don't know how to live. That's all. <laughs> I've been dying to put on this bathing suit. Let me crank up the heater. You can't lie to you. What is it? Yeah, you, you just got to be willing to try. <laughs> Anything is possible through effort. I like this idea of Mycin cranking the air, the air conditioning down to 50 degrees so he can have some minister in his soup. Man, ah, I'm telling you. Telling I'm telling you. you the other day I cranked the heat up in the house, had it cooking at 80. 80 is <laughs> cooking at 80. Had it cooking at 80, My- right? Through, through that pomegranate tea. Went in the bathtub and it felt like Malibu. <laughs> Living that good life. Nobody needs to travel. You just need imagination. You got a bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> man, man we, you know what? We're back. Oh, is, uh, what a what a sad referendum on the nature of American vacations that now, oh, nobody can actually afford vacations. Just crank up the air conditioning I'm and go you, to your bathroom. That's what, you, you know that anywhere you want in the world. That's so going to be a blog post on like yeah, you do Pinterest now on one of these like Pinterest type pages. Why travel to Malibu when you can? 
when Malibu's only 10 feet from your bed, how to turn your bathroom exactly. into South Florida. <laughs> oh, you want you want to you want to you want to go to you want to go to Belize, feel the sun? Hey, turn that light on at your desk. Blasting in the house, boom. Horrible. You got, what you a got country. To Belize. What uh, a I'm just country. trying to get you hip. Trying to get you hip how to experience the world for cheap. Worst <laughs> blog ever. What's up, man? <laughs> Speaking of cheap, I think that's the perfect segue into tonight's It is not. It is, because the Rams <laughs> have had a tendency of being cheap with the wrong players in the past. And heading into this year's free agency, the Rams have a lot of, a lot of guys who uh, are going to be free agents. And cheap is one thing they cannot be at all. Um, they're going to have to fork over some cash to somebody. Who that's going to be all comes down to priorities. Who's, who's priority number one and who's gonna, uh, who's that guy that you, you have to have there on your squad next year who's that, that guy that's part of that nucleus moving forward. And so when you look at the Rams' upcoming free agents, my question to you is who can't be lost? And we're, we're, you might as well go straight into your, your post from earlier. <laughs> Who's the guy that post a day. Yeah, had a post today ranking the free agents by priority, essentially looking at who they need to deal with first. And uh, go ahead, I'll read the list of all free agents as we have done on recent podcasts for new listeners who may not have their notes in front of them. I'm sure long term listeners come to Tertiary Radio with their notebooks ready, ready oh, to yeah. go. Uh, alphabetical order: Connor Barwin. Derek Carrier, Cody Davis, Lance Dunbar, Dominique Easley, Trumaine Johnson, LaMarcus Joyner, Cornelius Lucas, Jake McQuaid, Nikhil Roby-Coleman, John Sullivan, Tyron Walker, and Sammy Watkins. Those are your unrestricted free agents as of a month and two days from today. Restricted free agents, we got four of them. Malcolm Brown, backup running back, Troy Hill, Matt Longacre, and then Daryl Williams, and the only ex- uh, exclusive rights free agent we have on the roster. Uh, would be Zach Lasky. So my priority rankings, I know you alluded to them because you're ready to just dig. I know you you, yeah. you got a hot you got a hot poker over there. You got your shovel unsheathed and ready to go. Hey, I've I got, got Sammy Watkins number one. And I, I got a poker sitting in front of a vent. I know. <laughs> and I know as soon as I put that Sammy Watkins log on the fire, you were ready to close up the whole damn fireplace. I got Sammy Hell Watkins yeah. number one. Here, Here's why. Here's why he's my number one I priority. Object- number one. <laughs> Objection. Uh, number one is that he's the most obvious target for a tag, and if you, if you do that, it accelerates all the other decisions that you're going to make for the rest of free agency because you don't have to worry about the position. The, the Rams are stacked at the position otherwise. You got Robert Woods under contract, you got Cooper Cup under contract, and then you got a couple other guys for depth in Josh Reynolds, Mike Thomas, and Farrell Cooper that you don't have to worry about also under contract. So outside of Sammy Watkins, the entire position depth chart is locked up. Sammy, well, I didn't mention Tavon Austin. I guess I should just to be uh, thorough. Tavon Austin is also under contract, though I think many Rams fans would request that he would not be, and I think that might be a request that will be granted in you know the what? next 30 Nate, days. Nate's going to be pissed when he hear you said that. <laughs> I know. They will Just be so they know. will be upset. <laughs> he will be upset that uh, that we're on the path we're on. But, hey, we've walked a specific path to get here. But for Sammy Watkins, I think that tag just makes it real easy to not deal with the position this year. We got a long list after this, and I think that dealing with him first and foremost. Now, I think the other issue, and this might be why you disagree with me, is if you just want to move on, or for people that really love having Sammy Watkins, if they want to lock him up long-term. To me, I'm real comfortable throwing the tag at him. Deal with the tag in and of itself. You're done with it. Let his agent know, hey, we're moving on. And by February 1st, you could have been on, and maybe this is the case, you could have been on to other business. Because locking him up and dealing with cutting him opens up a Pandora's box that I'm not really comfortable with, but I feel like that might be a Pandora's box that you really want to open. Hell no. <laughs> Look, Sammy Watkins not Sammy Watkins isn't worth the tag, all right? First off, ain't no way in yeah. hell Sammy Watkins is worth no eleven, twelve million dollars. Hell no. <laughs> That's just he's not worth it. I don't care what you say, 
Nobody can convince me otherwise. Hell, you can't yeah. convince Sammy Watkins he's worth it. Yet, he'll right. take it, obviously, but he's not worth it. Like, Sammy Watkins has done nothing to prove to be worth that much money. I mean, you, you, you take away the fact that through his four seasons in the NFL, the production just has not been to that level. But then you also added the fact of his health risk. He's always hurt. You know, last season he finally sure. played a full 16 games. Timmy Watkins is not worth that much money. And then, aside from all of that, how could someone be the number one option or the number, the number, number one priority for your free agents when you – he doesn't stand out as a receiver. Um, he, he's, to me, he's a, a top, top of the line, number two wide out. Um, right. Robert Woods is probably a, a hair below him on, on that, in that regard. Actually, I'm kind of starting to lean towards Robert Woods being the, a hair ahead of him because his route, his, his route tree is just so much better than Sammy Watkins. But when you, when you take all that into consideration and then you look at the overall receiver room that the Rams have, it's not like they're hurting for bodies, you know. If he was, if he separated sure. himself from the pack, that'd be a different story, you know. If he had that ability to stand out a little bit more, like a, a like a Mike Evans, or a, a, I'm not even gonna go to the extreme and say Julio Jones, but you right. know, a, guys that of that caliber where they stand out a little more than the rest of the guys, then yeah, go ahead and resign them, franchise tag them, whatever you want to do. But he doesn't. He doesn't separate himself from the pack. He hasn't stood out to that degree. I, I I don't think he's worth a franchise tag. And, hell, I don't think he's worth a long-term agreement. If I was to resign right. him, it would be on a one-year deal, basically a, a one-year prove it deal because last year wasn't good enough. And your resume before last year certainly wasn't good enough. I mean, if he was that good, he, was, he, was that good, he wouldn't have got traded. It's just that simple. <laughs> you know, Sure. True star number one receivers don't just get traded the second a new coaching staff comes into town. That doesn't happen. Um, that, because when new coaching staff come, they want the best players there to make their job easier, to make that transition seamless. He he wasn't making that transition seamless. And then he also show, continued to show those signs that he showed earlier on in his career, that prima donna whining and crying. There's nothing about him that screams worth number one receiver money, and that's what a franchise tag would be. I don't think that uh, the Rams should be in a hurry to overpay him. And, again, the receiver room is too stacked. Losing him, I think he can be replaced. It's just that simple. I don't think that he's a, a, a mandatory resign like a LaMarcus Joyner or like a Tremaine Johnson where sure. the holes would be bigger if they left because you don't have anything behind them. Whereas Sammy Watkins, you got a lot of bodies behind him. <laughs> you know, and, and the job that yep. he had this year was Mike Thomas's job before he got suspended. <laughs> so – I'm not. Right. I'm not sold that. Uh, I'm not sold that he's worth being a top priority or worth a franchise tag at all. The 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 main thing I would I would add as a disclaimer is that by throwing a franchise tag, you don't have to worry about negotiating a one year deal or even a two year deal in terms of the terms of the contract. You can just throw a franchise tag. The terms are set. You don't have to. You, there's no haggling between the team and the agent. The other thing is. It, it's not so much that you're paying Sammy Watkins. It's that you're paying off the decision on who to replace him with, at least for another year. And part of the reason why is because the Rams have so many other decisions. You've got LaMarcus Joyner, John Sullivan, your starting center, Trumaine Johnson, your number one overall cornerback. You probably need some other depth. I know we'll get to that. You want to get to that soon. You've got other quarterback depth you need to allude to. You've got a left tackle issue where as good as Andrew Whitworth was in 2017, he's 36 years old. You've got edge pass rusher that's probably deficient overall in terms of talent. So you've got all these other decisions that you need to deal with without a second-round pick between free agency and the draft. I think the tag is just a valuable way, if more than anything else, to delay this one decision so that you can deal with some of those this offseason. Who do you, who, if you would have done your priorities, who would you have had number one? I would pick Lamarcus Joyner. The reason, yeah. the, the, another issue I have with just handing the tag to someone who's not really worth it, um, sure. 
it's he's definitely and, and worth that's it. Similar to, that's similar to Tremaine Johnson. Like I never really thought right. Tremaine Johnson was worth the tag, although he's a very good corner and he's he's worth ten million dollars a year. I don't think he's worth sure. fourteen and sixteen. <laughs> you know, uh, no one is. There's no corner that's paid that much. Um, yeah. But I do think that he's worth that second tier corner money where you're in that nine ten million dollar year range. The best corners get eleven twelve million dollars a year. Um, I don't think he'd be that eleven twelve, but he is that ten million dollar a year range, and I think that he I think he'll exceed that because he's the top corner on the market. The thing about uh, the franchise tag though is when you only have forty five million dollars to work with, only right? <laughs> when you only have forty five million dollars to work with. If you're to use that franchise tag on Sammy Watkins, you're talking about using a of your money on that player who isn't quite really worth it. <laughs> and, or, is, yeah. that, is that really what you want to do? Uh, uh, I think that would be a poor decision, honestly. I think that would be a very, very, very poor decision. It would be Tremaine Johnson all over again. Do you want to do that? <laughs> I'm not crazy about that idea. I, I you, you really set yourself up for failure by doing that. Um, I think that the number one priority has to be LaMarcus Jordan. And when I read what you said, I was like, what the hell are you talking about, Joe? You just made my point. <laughs> <laughs> you said Jordan was ranked the, ranked the 52nd best player in the NFL by two, in 2017 by Pro Football Focus. The only potential Rams for agent to do so. Per talent alone, he'd be number one on this list. So let me get this straight. <laughs> Because if we're, go- if we're going by talent alone, he's number one. So now let's add in production. Well, he was production, extremely productive. That would be the reason that he was ranked so high on the uh, list. And then you add in versatility. I'm, I'm confused as why you why you made the point you did as to why he could be number one but didn't list him number one. Because it's 2018. Because these things happen at a specific time. If it was a year ago – when the Rams had to make different decisions, that might have affected the calculus different. It was a different situation. The problem is that this offseason, you've got all these decisions happening at the same time. And as good as LaMarcus Joyner was, as good as Trumaine Johnson has been, and as much as, I'd, as I probably don't think it's going to happen, but I'd love for them to sign Trumaine Johnson to a deal and keep him around, maybe keep John Sullivan as well, who I had number three, and even Nikel Roby Coleman, who they brought in on a one-year deal. I thought he was very good as a slot cornerback. I'd love to have all those guys back. My number one priority would be dealing with Sammy Watkins, not only because uh, you've got all these other deals going on at the same time and the tag makes it easy to just deal with it now and then get on to other business, but also because, number one, the Rams' offense was as good as it was, and it was phenomenal in 2017, even with Sammy Watkins, production limited. I'll certainly acknowledge it. But also because the uh, what I worry about, and this is a part of it is maybe you know uh, what's the right word a spurned lover, right? That I've been a, we've been Rams fans for so long. It was really, 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 really hard to get wide receiver talent fixed for this team, and that 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 includes. I know I know we want to bury 2012 to 2016 under the Jeff Fisher gravestone. But Les Neeb was the general manager here. He had most of his front office here that's in place right now in those years. And this was still a front office that went to Brian Quick, that went to Kenny Britt, who even finished with the 1,000-yard season in 2016, that went to Tavon Austin, that went to Greg Salas and Austin Pettis, and went to all these other guys to try to fill out the wide receiver core that never worked, especially when they had a franchise quarterback in Sam Bradford. So now that they've got this group in place and they've got seemingly another franchise quarterback who has his career in front of him that just pulled off one of the best offenses in the NFL, to me, if you let Sammy Watkins go, the risk toward replacing his position is much higher than the risk of replacing LaMarcus Joyner or John Sullivan or Trumaine Johnson. Only because the wide receiver position is so important and Sammy Watkins, even if the production is not there, in terms of talent and in terms of the fact that you got Robert Woods at that second position, what he's able to do is a very good wide receiver too. Cooper Cup, hopefully next year, is even better as a wide receiver three. Those guys are in those positions because Sammy Watkins is there. And if you try to replace Sammy Watkins, I think the risk calculation is that it can get so much worse before it can get better, and that might not be the case for the guys below him on my ring. See the reason I the reason I have a hard time agreeing with that is 
well, multiple reasons, actually. The first being this offense. Um, it's not an offense where uh, your ex-receiver carries a certain level of weight. Um, you just don't see that. The ball gets spread around so much. And they like Certainly to work in this offense well. it does, right? In yeah, this offense know, they it like gets spread around a ton. It gets spread around a lot, you know, and they like to yeah. work it in so many different areas. I mean, this is an offense where you're talking about you had, I think, three receivers with at least 60 catches. <laughs> you know, so the ball gets spread all around. You know, it's not a uh, it, it, it's not a, a situation where – and when I say receivers, I'm including Todd Gurley in that. You know, you have three people who were the recipients of receptions of, from Jared Goff 60 times. Uh, that's, that's, that's the ball – that's a lot of people getting shown love. Okay, so it's not like it's a uh, – you know, where Sam Bradford, they, there was a um, – a time with Sam Bradford where you had your franchise quarterback, but you were trying to force a Brandon Gibson to be a number one receiver. You were force feeding him the ball. You know, that, that, that's a different case. In those situations, if you have an opportunity to keep a, a star receiver in place, then you kind of have to because you need him for the type of offense you run. So I don't see that being the case here. The other part of that is Sammy Watkins, isn't that receiver anyway, even if it was a situation where you're pushing the ball to him, pushing it downfield, using him a lot, where he's catching 80, 80, 85 balls. That's not the case. That's not the case with St. Walker. That's not who he is. He's still that one-trick pony he was when he came in the NFL, and he's only slightly above average at it. <laughs> he's not a – he's, he, he's never been one to just go out there and dominate and take over the game then take over the next game, you know. How many games has he really taken over in his career? I think the best game that he ever had was against a washed-up Darrell Revis, who was literally at the end of his line, and then there was, his, was the season where he got cut. And that's when uh, – that was Darrell Revis' last season with the Jets. And it, I think it was the last season of the game or second last season of the game that Sammy Watkins had like 13 catches or something like that. And it was all uh, – it was pretty much all the same route. He ran a lot of comeback routes. And Darrell Reeves just – it wasn't – Darrell Reeves wasn't there. He just was – he wasn't the same Darrell Reeves. He wasn't physically able to out-muscle him. And Sammy Watkins was simply out-muscling him. That was the best game of his career against a washed-up <laughs> Darrell Reeves. There, there's, you just don't see him consistently making the wild plays and making those great catches and really beating up the defenders and taking over the game. You don't see it. You don't, you don't see him taking that slant 80 yards to the house the way that Julio do or the way you'll see a Demarius Thomas do or Odell Beckham Jr. And, you know, like you just don't see it. Um, I don't think that he's – I don't think he's that guy. And for that reason, because you don't have that guy in him and you also have an offense where the ball is spread around, I don't think his value carries the weight that you say it does in this offense, on this team, and even even off, even if this offense wasn't what it is, I still would be hesitant to say it because he doesn't have that take over the game, dominate. You haven't seen it. Um, I think he's still riding a wave. <laughs> I think he's still riding that wave off of college and draft position, but he is yet to live up to those things. There you go, Sammy Watkins. I have Sammy Watkins number one, Lamarcus Jordan number two, John Sullivan number three, and Trumaine Johnson number four. Where would where would you have Trumaine Johnson? You had a great piece today on the fact that Trumaine Johnson. I think it's a fact, and just about every rankings out there has confirmed that Trumaine Johnson is pretty much the best available cornerback on the market in free agency this yeah. year. I think the question is going to be, you know, who who wants to overpay? There's always teams that want to overpay in a position of desperation. Team. Always somebody, and if it's not the Rams, it'll be Rams, somebody else. Well, the Rams have been that team before. They have. The, the they Rams sure have. <laughs> I sure have. It, it happens every it, year, you know, and it only takes it only takes one. It only it's it only takes one. So where, where would you have Trumaine Johnson on this list? Would he be number two behind uh, Lamarcus? Would, would you have him deeper? I would say Jermaine Johnson is one or two, and, you know, if you ask me three hours from now, he might be bumped up to number one. And the only reason why why I say that he could be number one priority is because of cornerback depth. I know that you say Troy Hill balled out at the end of the season, but truth be told, he only had one good three quarters in a game. Um, I think that was against Tennessee or something like that where he just had a really good game. Um, 
And that's it. You know, we haven't seen enough from Troy Hill for anyone to feel comfortable with him being in the starting lineup. Remember what happened to him last year, the year before last year, sure. 2016, you know, where yeah. he was a starter. Um, you, I don't think anyone should feel comfortable with him being in the starting lineup. And you look at some of the receivers that the Rams have to play next year, and you're saying to yourself, like, oh, yeah, he's going to be able to hit. No, hell no. I don't believe that 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 he's on that level yet. I think that he had a good Tennessee game, and I think that, and because that's like the last last bit that you get to see of him before the season is over, because there's not many games after Tennessee. You only have two more games after that. You know, the it's that kind of prisoner of the moment mentality where you're you're looking at what he what uh, he did, and you're saying, oh man, he improved so much. He had he he closed out the season well when yeah. You know, he had a good game. He had some game games, some mid games, but – and that's it. Then after that, you, uh, Nikhil Roby Coleman, he's a free agent. Um, Kayvon Webster, I mean, he really didn't do much of anything this year. And then he has a torn Achilles, and he tore his Achilles, you know, towards the end of the season. So the, the chances right. of him being ready first game is slim to none. And then even if he, you know, misses the first six weeks, then he's activated, um, you know, start the season on the pup list, pup list and then he's activated – just how many guys actually come back from that injury ready to roll that next season, you know, after one year, it just doesn't happen, especially at a premium position where you're doing so much cutting. So you're not, you can't really rely on a Kayvon Webster, not that you can rely on him before the injury. I'm not going to say it because he's hurt. I have some respect for the injury, <laughs> but you know, the, uh, it's not like you can, not, uh, it's not like he was just killing it before he tore his Achilles. So that's how, um, you know, so if you lose Tremaine Johnson, you're talking about possibly having to fill three cornerback positions. Like, that is a scary thought. You're talking about absolutely having to rebuild your cornerback core. That's freaky. And it's going to be hard to resign them because they screwed themselves by postponing, postponing, postponing. Now yeah. enters an, an, an offseason. You know, if this is two years ago, you're talking about him going up against Janoris Jenkins and all these other cornerbacks who were who were better than him. So he's not the number one corner. So it would have been easier to give him a, 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 a long-term contract then. You know, you could have pulled off five years for $45 million, you know, something like that. You could have pulled it off then. The same contract you offered Janoris Jenkins, you could have actually offered Tremaine Johnson less. and got him. You probably could have offered less, right? Yeah, possibly, but it'll be hard because that was Tremaine Johnson's best season. You know, that was the season where he had six, seven interceptions and a couple of. But that was as the second. That was as the second cornerback. I'm, I'm with you. They missed. Yeah, that, that was definitely as the second cornerback. But when you're having that type of production, you're kind of feeling yourself a bit. Yeah. Um, it, it would have definitely been harder to get him to bite on you know too much less. Sure. Maybe you could have won a few million less, but not too much. Um, but at that time, you could have pulled off the deal that you offered to Tremaine Johnson, or not to Tremaine Johnson, but to Janoris Jenkins, that he turned down wisely, because you see what he got paid. Of and course. then you turned around and yep. gave that same deal. You was like, oh, well, he didn't take it. Here you go, Mark Barron. I see why he turned it down. If you feel that his value was the same as Mark Barron, you're a fool. <laughs> so so you probably could have pulled it off then, but you didn't. You, cho- you went into the negotiating process with the idea in your head, we're going to tag him and focus on getting our number one corner, which is a smart move. Get your best corner signed first. The problem is you lowballed him. It didn't work out, and then you got stuck with tagging him for no reason. And then you tagged him again the next season. Now you enter an offseason where there's no corner better than him. He literally holds all the cards. <laughs> and his agent 100% deserves a raise because he was yeah. – I thought it was fishy, and I, th- I don't think I'm the only one, but I didn't look at the the, the big picture, which is – my own fault, because usually I do, but I didn't look at the big picture and look at what the free agent market was possibly going to look like. You know, if everything stayed the same as it did last year, nobody just popped up out of nowhere and just got a million times better. Right. Everything stayed the same, which it pretty much did. And then you look ahead to what the free agent market looked like, his agent deserves a huge raise, because I have no doubt in my mind, it was his agent like, yes, hurry up and sign this $17 million paycheck and to become the highest paid corner in the NFL just so you can wait a couple of months 
and become the highest paid corner in the NFL. Again. Because I, I think that's probably going to be the most likely scenario is that somebody, yeah. unless he's willing to take a discount, which I know I've said before on the show, I think it's a possibility. I know he loves this organization so much more than people realize and so much more than people give him credit for. I know that for a fact. He loves this organization. He loves his team. He loves his teammates. And on top of that, he loves California. He is a California boy. So getting him to leave California would be hard. But that brings yep. up the 49ers. He is a Bay Area kid. <laughs> He's from Stockton, yeah. California, which is about 45 minutes from San Francisco. San Francisco has a huge huge hole at corner. They also huge had they yeah. also had the number one cap space this offseason at over $120 million. They just used about $40 million of that on Garoppolo. But they still have over eighty million dollars in capital. On who? Wait, wait, who? You can't use his actual name. We don't use his actual <laughs> name at Tertial Town. Garapaho. That'll work. <laughs> so they use they use forty million on Garapaho, and now they have eighty million left. In California, and he's very close with his mom, who still lives yeah. in Stockton. Can come to all his games. <laughs> he could go back home, and they can overpay the hell out of him. That is sure can. I think a sneaker, sneaky team to land him, but the question is, he's so loyal to the Rams. Would he go to their rival? Tremaine Johnson is going to be an interesting. Not, yeah. I can assure you that, but there's a high probability that he's going to get a $65 million contract. What I think is most he, interesting about Tremaine's free agents, I guess, saga is that it's kind of indicative of the Fisher era of deal-making. And, and Fisher's gone, so this is you know, not on Jeff Fisher anymore. But you remember two years ago at the Combine, Les Need said re-signing the secondary was priority A. And the secondary Absolutely. at that time was Janoris Jenkins and Trumaine Johnson at cornerback, TJ McDonald and Rodney McLeod at safety. The only one who's left on the team is true, and they never signed him to a long-term deal. There's a, there's a reason why a year ago, probably a majority of Rams fans were calling for Les Snead to get fired. And I, I don't know that priority A wasn't the main reason why, that, that the Rams had had all this talent. They had stocked up tons of talent, weren't able to create wins out of it, but also were doing a bad job at keeping the right guys in-house. They were throwing out contracts to Tavon Austin and throwing out contracts, you know, to – uh, all these other guys to keep them around one, two years, Brian Quick, just to keep them around to fill out the roster when they weren't doing a good job of going out and finding the right guys to add in. Now, fast forward to 2017, you, you, last year's offseason was probably enough to justify Les Snead as a GM of the year. If that was an award they had yeah. given it at NFL Honors, you had Andrew Whitworth and Nikel Roby Coleman and Kayvon Webster and John Sullivan and Connor Barwin and all the deals that they were able to make in that single and the draft without a first round pick, they had a hell of an all season. I think Trinity Johnson is kind of this referendum of old Sneed versus new or old Rams front office versus new front office. How do you make these kind of decisions where you've got some opportunity? Trinity Johnson might be the best cornerback on the market, but he's not the only cornerback on the market. And I think that's what they showed last year where, you know, they were able to get some guys that could come in and maybe not be the best at the position, but still is. And so you look at guys like Brashad Breeland, Aaron Colvin, Malcolm Butler, obviously, sitting at the Super Bowl, Kyle Fuller with the Bears, Rashawn Melvin with the Colts, and even Morris Claiborne, who I think, yeah, there was the same draft as Truman Johnson because that was the trade we made when we traded down for Michael Brockers. There's guys that can come in that may not have the same level of play that could fill that spot. And if you couple a free agent selection with a draft pick, like you said, you you think that, that there might be a need for three cornerbacks. I could totally yeah. justify two. Three might be a stretch for me. Two I'd feel comfortable with, but I think the biggest difficulty is what you alluded to is that they made mistakes in the past that have gotten them here. And my worry yeah. is that that the reaction is going to be, you know, uh, it's going to be reactionary, that they're going to overpay, that they're going to overspend in terms of capital, either in terms of money and free agency or too many draft picks because they've made these mistakes before instead of being more pragmatic and just taking this offseason in a vacuum and saying, look, we've made mistakes before. Let's deal with where we're at. Let's not, let's not go outside our bounds and let's just deal with the issues that we have at cornerback moving forward. Yeah, absolutely, and I agree with that. You don't want to overpay. Um, and, and even if they wanted to overpay, they couldn't. They can't out 
did the top five caps, the top five teams. Not this year. Cap. Because Not in 2018, right. Top five cornerback. <laughs> You're talking about yeah. the, the Browns, the 49ers, the Jets, the Bucks. Like, they all need cornerbacks, and the, the Rams just cannot outbid them. You have to have at least $64 million to be in the top five uh, highest salary caps for this uh, offseason. The Rams are I got, I got a question for you, dollars away. <laughs> They, they're, they're, they're far. I got, I got a question for you. What about Nikel Roby Coleman? I mean, he, he played – he's almost the opposite, where Truman Johnson was on this franchise tag, incredibly yeah. expensive. Nikel Roby Coleman came in really cheap and was really vital. I believe, or something like that. <laughs> you know what uh, I'm saying? Yeah, he, he, he was very cheap, um, and I think he was cheap for a reason. Outside of his size, you know, he was more – he made, a, like, a few splash plays here and there, but – you didn't really see him play to the level that he played at this year. And, you know, I think a lot of that goes sure. back to Wade Phillips. You talk about Troy Hill. Yeah. You talk about Kayvon being okay in some spots. You're talking about the Cole Roby Coleman looking so really so good. Uh, Tremaine Johnson, he didn't have as many interceptions as we become accustomed to seeing him having in right. the season. But, man, he was really like some glue on a lot of plays. And I think when you look at the just the overall improvement, of a few of the guys, you ha- you have to give a lot of credit to Wade Phillips, which is the which is another huge reason why I rank Lamarcus Joyner ahead of Tremaine Johnson on priorities because I do have faith in Wade Phillips being able to find guys. You look at Chris Harris in Denver; this was an undrafted free agent that was yeah. starting. <laughs> like he just plucked him out of nowhere, threw him in there, and the guy didn't give up a touchdown for his first two and a half seasons in the NFL. He didn't give isn't, isn't that kind of the, isn't that kind of the argument though? Is that that because of Wade Phillips' history and what he's been able to do in Denver and with the well, Rams? That's, that that's my you, point is that he has a good history of being able to make guys work, but it's not a, it's not a foolproof plan. That you don't want sure. to go into and say, oh well, you know we have Wade Phillips. He's made some guys work in the past, so screw it. Like seven <laughs> <no>. round pick. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't do that. <laughs> That's how you dig a grade. <laughs> um, you, you you want to go in there trying to get the absolute best. And if you don't get the best, then you say, hey, at least we have Wade. We have faith in him that he can make something work out of nothing. Um, we may not be as good as we was, but we won't be absolutely terrible. But you don't want to just be not, not as good as you was, but we won't be absolutely terrible. You want to be as good as you was and then – you also want to be better. You don't want to regress. Yeah. And I think that losing Tremaine Johnson um, would be a regression. Um, bringing back Nicole, Nicole Roby Coleman, I think, would be excellent. If you can do that, if you can bring them both back, that would be great. You can bring them both back yeah. and then go get yourself one of these young studs in the draft. Because I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of busts at corner. There's some really fundamentally sound corners in this year's draft. Um, I don't think there's going to be a lot of busts. Like, I really don't. If obviously, there's going to be busts. You know, that's inevitable. Um, but I don't think it's going to be one of those years, which is pretty much the norm, where there's more busts than there are great players. You know, I think it would be similar to the 2014 draft with the receivers, um, where you've seen all these guys come in. That was the same draft as Sammy Watkins. But Sammy Watkins was the, is the, has been the least effective of that bunch. Um, you, you had Odell and you had Mike Evans, you know, you had Kelvin Benjamin. You know, it was just a really strong draft for receivers where there was really more success than there was failure. I think that's going to be similar to this year's cornerback, just secondary in general, the safeties as well. There's some, some really, really good players at corner yeah. and at safety where I think they're going to be um, really successful. So if the Rams could sign one or two of those players, uh, preferably, if you're going to sign two, I would prefer it to be Tremaine Johnson and Lamarcus Jordan, which let's not get too carried away. They have the cap space to re-sign both. Oh, sure. Let me make that perfectly clear. I don't, I don't want anyone to think that I'm saying that they can't That's do without it. even they discussing the idea of releasing anybody. If you start making some cap casualties, you definitely got the space. Absolutely. Um, one thing, um, and I, I'm, I'm going to steer off a little bit about this, because uh, you know, I think we've pretty much answered the question of should the Rams re-sign Aaron Donald this year. I say they shouldn't, but that's their own fault. I know um, last year while he was holding out 
in training camp. I said then, I know I told you then on the show, they should resign him now so that they won't have to deal with it with all these free agents come up. And that was the main reason why I stuck by his side so much, other than the fact I'm always going to stick with the players, get your money while you can get. But it made sense to just go ahead and resign him then because, first off, what happens every year with, with value? It goes up. So you're going to have to spend more money anyway. Then he just won defensive player of the year. <laughs> you know, so no matter what, you're going to have to spend more money the longer you wait. If you would have yeah. done it then, you could have put some of that cap onto last year's as opposed to letting it carry over this year, and you wouldn't have to worry about it now. I don't think they should resign him right now. I think they're going to be forced to, to be in a situation where they're possibly going to have to franchise him, which is going to suck because he might have hold out a kid, but I don't think they should resign him now. Um, with that being said, though, uh, here's, here's my question to you. When you look at the, the, the Rams kind of uh, moving forward right now, looking ahead, yes, they have the cap space to resign both players um, and get that squared away between LaMarcus Joyner and Jermaine Johnson. But do you think that uh, bringing back Robert Quinn, as you mentioned, um, just kind of ha- the cap casualty. He's he's a bit of a cap casualty right now, but <laughs> but there there was a but coming. Um, you saw the you saw as he the rust got knocked off the way he sure. was out. You, you you mentioned Troy Hill closing out the season strong. That was one game. You're talking about a guy who over his last six seven games and that's with the playoff game included was an absolute terror coming off the edge. Constant pressure, right, I think in a, a direct of five sacks, it was like he looked like Robert Quinn. You know, he was just getting around the edge at will almost. So I think because he turned it on, you know, and finished the season with eight and a half, nine sacks, does he, did he do enough to, yes, restructure, but still stay on this roster? This gets back to why I ranked the priorities the way I did, is that I think you, you've you got to probably get, let me look, five deep, if only because I had Jake McQuaid six. You've got to get five deep on this priority list, and then you can decide about Robert Quinn. I, I think you get – because here's the reason why. If you don't do anything about Robert Quinn, he's locked up this year, you can wait to make that decision next year, right? And it's not that penalizing the way it's – the same way it wasn't this year. But – you got to deal with Sammy Watkins, your number one overall wide receiver. you got to deal with Trumaine Johnson, your number one overall cornerback. LaMarcus Joyner, the best player in your secondary and your starting safety. John Sullivan, your starting center. And I've got Nico Roby Coleman. He's a starting slot center, however you want to deal with that. Now, beyond McQuaid, you've still got Troy Hill and Matt Longacre. I know I've got them seventh, but you, you could make an argument that combined, I had them combined at number seven because of your immediate depth. And both were very good. Hill at the end of the season and Longacre throughout, I thought he had a really good 2017. That those yeah, guys are really important pieces that you need to deal with because here's why. The Robert Quinn decision doesn't have to happen now. All those other decisions, because they're on expiring contracts, you've got to deal with them going into March 14th. What I would say is if you're, if you're less need and you're comfortable with Whatever decision you make, if you if you decide to move on from Trumaine Johnson and you've got two guys that you're pursuing in the cornerback market and you're comfortable with your draft approach at cornerback, if you're going to move on from John Sullivan and you've got a guy identified at center that either you want to sign for free agency or that you feel really, really good that will be available for you whenever you want to take him in the draft, then, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily have a problem cutting Robert Quinn because you've got some other opportunities to deal with that need now. You can't cut Robert Quinn and then just say, oh, well, we'll deal with that in 2019. That's not, well, that's not acceptable. Well, I guess what I'm asking is, you know, not so much of, uh, in correlation to the priority free agents, you know, creating space for them or anything sure. like that making him a priority, making his contract situation. Is him specifically? I'm just asking asking specifically about Robert Quinn. Do you think, because I know at one point during the season, this was, the thought process was very simple. Bye-bye Robert Quinn. But the way he finished, did he do enough to warrant a a longer feature with the Rams? Um, 
maybe maybe a restructure, you know, go to him about a restructure and keep him on the wins. Did he do enough? The toughest part is that he's already on such an expensive country. And this is why I mentioned the idea of Sammy Watkins. Why do you have to have a number one? Is because it's 2018. The reason why this makes it so difficult for Raul Quinn is it's 2018. You've only got so many opportunities to answer all of these questions. To, to me, no, Robert Quinn didn't do enough to justify being the number one edge rushing threat on this team. I, I Personally, I wouldn't have a problem with the Rams using their first-round pick on an edge rusher, who fill in with whatever prospect you want. But that assumes that they get all these other questions answered in some way, either, either by getting somebody before then or having their process answered through the rest of their draft afterwards that, they, that they're confident going into the draft in round one. I know, I know that's not the right answer for people who want to know, well, if you let Robert Quinn go, who do you fill him in with? But the reality is you've got to answer all these questions in the same offseason. And you got March 14th with free agency, and you got April, what is it, 28th, as soon as the draft opens. And you just got to answer all of them. That's why Les Snead gets paid, uh, let me check, undetermined amount of money based on his contract <laughs> extension. And it's tough. Let, let, me, let me flip this around on you. We've talked about all the guys at the top. Before we close out, I want to ask you the guys at the bottom. I've got beyond McC- – Let's see, McQuaid at six, which I could have made McQuaid number one. I kind of wanted to do it just to be me because I love Jake McQuaid. And because here's the thing, it's Jake McQuaid. He's a long snapper. You just you just give him whatever he wants. Right? I mean, he's not going to ask for something. He's going to ask for what? Uh, what do long snappers ask for? I don't even know. But whatever he asks for, you just long give it to him, right? Long snappers like five, six hundred thousand. <laughs> give it to him. Don't you just – like how long has he been with us? Seven years? And he's always been, what, perfect? Just don't you do, don't you just do that immediately? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Here's, I'm laughing because I'm I'm trying to say this with, with a straight face, but it's hard as hell. Do you want to franchise tag Jake? I swear to God, if you say the franchise tag Jake McQuaid, I'm gonna kick you off the show. Can you imagine kissing <laughs> off your long snapper <laughs> and he just being like the hell with it? I ain't resigning with y'all. You just completely screwed. <laughs> like, like it's funny because I think people forget the value of a long, a good long, long snapper. But that's how good that's how good he's been. That's how good <laughs> he's been is that he's made us forget the time. value. It's like, it's like, like picture that like he just been like screw this and just leaves, and then you just screw like your your phenomenal. Special teams goes to shit because you just pissed off your all of Jake back. McQuaid, all because of Jake, Jake McQuaid. McQuaid Johnny card and no one knows it. Johnny Hecker, Greg Zerline, all of them. The uh, come on, man. I would definitely say you have to. You have to obviously have to bring it. Bring back Jake McQuaid. Um, I can't. I can't speak on it enough. But you look at the Super Bowl. You look at the Patriots' first missed field goal and the snap. It happened. It was it bad. Happened. Jake McQuaid has never had a bad snap. Like, not one. I can't remember one. I can't remember he's a single never, bad snap. He's never had one. He's literally been perfect. And you look at his time in the NFL, every snapper has had a bad snap. You just saw one snapper have a bad snap on the biggest stage of all events in North America. Okay, there's nothing in North America bigger than the Super Bowl. So many people watch it, and you just saw this man completely blow it on his very first opportunity on the field. So, yes, while it's funny and we all get a good laugh out of, oh, he's talking about this long snapper, you cannot underestimate, because if he if that snap isn't bad, you're talking about a 20-yard chip shot, that could have changed the game because the, 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 the way that the score was when Tom Brady gets strip-sacked, you're talking about them being down two points. They may not have been in a hurry-up offense in that position because instead of being down by five, they would have been down by two. They could have really took their time and would not have been in a hurry-up where it was a must-pass, must-pass, must-pass. So you're talking about the entire Super Bowl being different. Now, yes, you could point to a lot of other things, but this was the very first scoring opportunity of the game five minutes into the game, and it was a miss go because of snap. So you cannot underestimate what a long snapper is. Jake McQuaid has to be resigned, yes. 
I don't really give a damn about Zach Lass. He, I forgot he was even on the roster, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. <laughs> you know, so there are some key, uh, key parts in there that need to be resigned. I think Matt Longacre um, could very well make well, well, hold on. Team. Let me, let me reset this tier. I mentioned Jake McQuaid, and I hope, dear listener, you recognize that no other podcast out there will give you two minutes of discussion on long snappers, only Tertial Radio. Because hey, we are that. We are, EOE, Let, we are EOE podcast. We're all about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to skip Connor Barr. I got, yeah, I know. I got Connor Barwin at 11, so I'm going to skip him because he's a starter. So let me go here. I'm going to start at 12. I got Cody Davis, uh, backup safety. Derek Carrier, third tight end. I think Cody Davis Plenty. is a must reset. Oh, well, then this, might, this answer might be easy for you. Cody Davis. Derek Carrier, Lance Dunbar, Cornelius Lucas, Daryl Williams, and Zach Lasky. Which out of them again, is the most important? Again, and it sounds I like this seems really Davis easy. Is a must why, is, why is Cody Davis a must resign? I'm about to tell you. Cody Davis was was the I believe 11th ranked safety, and I'm about to double check this as I'm speaking. Uh, in the NFL, while Lamarcus Joyner was out, when he was filling in for Lamarcus Joyner. Cody Davis was an absolute stud, okay? Cody Davis is not only a good player uh, at safety, but he's also one of the top special teams players in the NFL. Like, But he, he barely he played won. on special teams this year. What's that? He barely so played on special teams this year. He, he wasn't even – this year his special team snaps were way, 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 way down. They were way, way, way down for, because he was hurt. Yeah, here, here's what here's what I'm saying, and this is maybe a theme, and this is where it gets tough. I know we got to have Mule on here. May, let's make a note. We got to get Mule. I know he's stationed. For the longtime listeners, know Brian. I shouldn't say his name. Mule. He's a member of our armed forces station over our team. Big Mule. Cody. Um, Cody. I just confirmed that Cody Davis, according to Pro Football Focus, was number 14 ranked safety in coverage out of 77 uh, qualifiers uh, prior to his injury. Had less than 20% of special team snaps, but obviously graded that high in safety. The reason I wanted to bring Mule on is that he's a big advocate of the idea that the coaching staff that we got in place is a big reason why guys are performing well. And we've talked about this a couple times tonight already, whether we're talking about Troy Hill, whether we're talking about, uh, we didn't mention him, but Samson Abukan, that, that we're talking about guys coming in and filling in and playing well. And obviously, Cody Davis is a, a clear example of that, that guys are stepping in in a reserve role when guys get hurt and playing well, it, it seems like this is a theme. And if that's the case, why, why would, why would Cody Davis be better than a, a um, I'll leave it open. I haven't even looked at the safety free agent market. Somebody that we could b- bring in that, that Wade Phillips could groom for the position as a third safety. Why would you advocate for Cody Davis over that hypothetical third safety? Numerous reasons. Numerous reasons. One again. Numerous reasons. I love how I love how prepared for you for this you are. Numerous reasons. Hey, you know what? It's numerous reasons. You swear I was prepared, like we rehearsed this, but I swear this shit is just came out of left field. I did not know he was gonna ask that. But I still had numerous reasons. <laughs> so, so, but here's 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 the here's the lowdown on Cody Davis. One, you have familiarity with the system already. You have familiarity sure. with the players that you're playing with. He's already comfortable in this, and he's performed in this system with these players at a high level, being the 14th ranked safety out of 77, okay? It's not like he's 14th ranked out of 30. He's 14th ranked out of 77, okay? Um, So that's highly impressive in its own. Then you add in the fact that Cody Davis has never been a bad player. He's just been surrounded by better players. One right. thing that I know um, I, I threw out there really quick, just briefly kind of as a joke last week, but it was, may have been a joke, but it was really actually, you know, in every joke there's some truth. Uh, Jeff Fisher, you know, I was making the joke about looking at the players in the playoffs, you know, where you have uh, Big Foles playing against Case Keenum and Rodney, Rodney McLeod and all these players that was in the playoffs and so many players that was on the Super Bowl, in the Super Bowl, for between the Patriots and the, 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 the Eagles, and you have to give Jeff credit some credit, uh, Jeff Fisher some credit, not the credit that he says he deserves, where he's like, oh, I'm the reason they're successful. Yeah. You're not the reason they're successful, but you did do a good job of accumulating talent. Jeff Fisher put together a, a deep roster four years ago. At one point, the Rams had the deepest 
secondary bar none. <laughs> they were very, and, very – And defensive line. And defensive line, just deepest defense in general. They were very yeah. – the offense wasn't worth shit. But in 2014 and in 2015, that defense yep. was stacked. Okay, and yeah. Cody Davis was buried as a result because they were yeah, no doubt. better players, but Cody Davis was still a good player. Cody Davis is a leftover of one of those good players. So I think that, yes, Wade Phillips helps a lot, but I don't think you can overlook the fact that Cody Davis has always been a good player. Even if you go back to Texas Tech, he went undrafted, but he was one of those guys where he went undrafted because he just didn't have the publicity playing at Texas Tech. He was kind of under the he flew under the radar until his pro day where he absolutely blew it up and then people thought that he was possibly gonna get drafted, but he didn't. And you know, his resume was very simple. He's not gonna blow you up or anything like that. He's a sure tackler with a lot of athletic ability and decent coverage skills. And over time that decent coverage skills has grown to become better coverage skills, hence him being fourteenth ranked out of seventy seven. And he's still a decent tackler. He's still a good tackler with nice form. He's not blowing anybody up. That's who he is, and he's a really good athlete. The white boy can fly. <laughs> he moves. He's one of the fastest guys on the team. I don't think people realize that. Um, so it's like you look at Cody Davis, and he's not just some pushover that Wade Phillips just made a good player. He's always been good, and he's always been one of the top special teams players in the league. So I don't think that I don't think that you can look at it and say, oh well, you can find another one because guys keep stepping in. No, Jeff Fisher, you got to give him that credit. He did a good job building depth. And, Je- and Cody, sure. Cody Davis is part of that depth of just being a really good player. And when he got his opportunity, he shined. For that reason, I think Cody Davis is a must sign because it continues to give you that, that, that uh, if you can resign LaMarcus Joyner, it continues to give you that ability to drop LaMarcus Joyner down into the nickel package and where you can have Cody Davis and John Johnson out there and have all three safeties on the field at the same time, which they did at times early on. But this would give you that. This would give you that ability. And if you and he's interchangeable, he can play both safety positions. So if you lose one, you can always throw him out there. Cody Davis is a must-see resign. I gave you several reasons, as promised. I will say this before we Multiple get out of reasons. here. Multiple <laughs> reasons. I will say this before we get out of here. I'm taking a bow right now, like F. Joe. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I will say this before we get out of here. As far as the secondary goes in this draft, I love this, this, this secondary in this draft. It's one of the best you're going to see. I think that once you get down to the, the pick range of the Rams, you have so many options you can go with. And this is before the combine. Remind you this. What I'm about to say is before the combine. After the combine, this is going to be very different. Not for me personally. My, my things sure don't change a lot better. from what they do at the combine. It changes from what comes out development at the combine. But when, after the combine, guys are going to run fast and guys are going to run slow. And Leslie put it best when he said, uh, they asked him at the Senior Bowl uh, last week, what did you think of when you saw Cooper Cup run slow at the combine? You know, because in the because they were saying at the Senior Bowl, he looked like he belonged. Like he, he was out there killing guys. Right. And then he gets to the combine, he has a couple of drops, he's slow as molasses, <laughs> you know, and they asked, let's see, what, Mike Mayock asked him specifically, what did you think when you saw how slow he ran? And Leslie said, I was happy. I was celebrating because I knew his stock was going to drop, making him easier for me to get. That was his response. Yeah. And that's going to be the case for, what, for a lot of these guys. But that does not mean it's going to change for me. You look at where the Rams are picking, you're going to have a, a wide range of options for the second period. And that's going to be guys like Carlton Davis from Auburn, Josh Jackson from Iowa, you look at Mike yeah. Hughes from Florida, who hasn't been getting a lot of talk, but I think his his stock is going to speed up. And then you look at Tavares McFadden, one of my favorite players. I think your I boy, your him. boy. And then one of, boy. one of the guys that flies, one of the guys that fly under the radar is Dante Jackson. I definitely think that uh, he's another LSU product. You know, they pump out those corners left and right. Got to keep your eyes peeled for those guys. But those are just a couple of names I think everyone should be paying attention to. As we draw closer to the uh, to the combine draft coming up here, it's going to be an interesting interesting uh, next couple of months. The Rams are going to have options, but 
We got to stay tuned. This is a good show, though. Lots to talk about free agency. You know, next time we get on here, we're going to be talking about the combine as we're getting close to that time. Make sure you follow myself uh, at Mighty or Mison. Follow Joe3K underscore. And, of course, of course, you got to follow the site that makes all this possible. Turf show time. That's all we got for this week, and we out. Big bad Jackie and I'm starting this off. The Rams get down so nobody scores. And don't you worry, cause the Rams are rapping. When game time comes, we'll be back to that. We can't sing and our dance is not pretty. But we'll do our best for the team and the city. So get on your feet and clap your hands. Let's ram it right now with the L.A. Rams. Hollywood Hanson, Dodge City Tough. If you throw it my way, it's going to get rough. I like to ram it, as you can see. Nobody likes ramming any more than me. They call me Jeter. Nobody dresses Twitter. But under this cool is a quarterback mistreater. I come from the end, looking for the sacks. I don't stop coming till I put them on the back. This limousine with it, my moves are like dreams. They call me the demon on special team. I know how to rock from the toes to the head. When I pull the trigger, I'll knock you dead. I'm a mountain man from West VA. They call me Herc, and I came to play. I learned long ago to ram it just right. You can ram it all day and ram it all night. Ram it. Style and class, if you come my way, I'll knock you on your Thursdays, the names intimidated. I pass them my way, I'll see you later. Quick on my teeth, the ladies agree. Before they know it, they'll ram it with me. The ice man coming, the roar is the name. I cover the corner, interception's my game. Score more than anybody else on the D, cause I move like a cat, as you will see. The guys call me Dick instead of Dick the Sun. I lead the range, I'm the Ram Top Gun. They say I'm as smooth as a runner can be, even sweetness than the others are talking about me. I like to dance and have a lot of fun when it comes to ladies, wanna play anyone. But enough about me, we'll hit a ram it, you see. If you ram it just right, you can ram it all night.
Hey, but on the real though, Joe had no clue what he was talking about about Cody Davis or shit. I forgot who else he was talking about. <laughs> Just know that I was right. Joe was wrong. That's how you. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Keep telling you, we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, bears in video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.